back to the Weekly Trusted Visions podcast. David, Sean, always great to see you. I know it's been an emotional couple of weeks for the two of you that, that you're sending your kids off to college and moving them in and all that good stuff. And it made me reflect. I, my daughters are five and six. And while I thought I had a lot of time left, um, obviously time flies. So I, I got to cherish those moments because... In 12 years, you're going to see me balling up on a podcast when that happens. So um, best of luck to your kids. Kudos for them going off to college. Um, I guess you guys better start working hard because you got to start paying that tuition. Right. <laughs> anyway, with this week's podcast, <clears throat> I figured it would be a good idea to talk about an area that we as a team and through our experience in the, the corporate world, we typically see a, tr- a tremendous amount of a financial advisor movement towards the end of the year. And I really wanted to address that for our audience of A, why that is, but also the advantages to advisors, OSJs or enterprises of looking to make a move towards year end versus sometime mid-year or first quarter. So I'm not going to steal too much thunder. We're going to start with you, Sean, instead of the audience always listening to me for the first five minutes and dozing off and then you guys got to wake them back up. Sean, can you talk a little bit about, in your experience, traditionally why advisors or there is so much financial advisor movement towards the end of the year um, and just why that is? Sure, sure, sure. Well, there are several reasons that come to mind, Um, you know, just from my experience working with advisors and why they tend to make the move uh, towards year end. um, Some of these reasons that that come, you know, that, that come to mind first is number one is a uh, you know, fresh start, right? Like most of us, you know, the new year serves somewhat as a reset button or a reset feature in which we all have, or most of us have resolutions. Um, you know, we have goals um, that we're going to apply for the new year. The same can be applied to advisors um, who've had issues at their current broker dealers. Uh, starting off at a new broker dealer, can be a resolution of some sort. You know, I, I've made calls to advisors throughout the years uh, during uh, end of second quarter, third quarter, where they point blank said, hey, I'm looking to make a move by year in and have a fresh start at a new broker dealer at the new year. So, uh, you know, sometimes just that in itself can prompt an advisor to look toward uh, year in. Um, you know, also, fourth quarter is, is holiday season, as we all know. A uh, successful transition requires responsiveness and participation from clients, uh, typically as it relates to, you know, signing new paperwork. Um, Clients are usually accessible during the holiday season. Uh, You know, most clients, you know, they travel through the summer, so that can become tedious, uh, you know, know, reaching the clients for them to sign the new paperwork, transfer paperwork. However, during the holidays, they're typically around. Uh, you You have a number of them as well, Thanksgiving, Christmas. In which uh, those clients, uh, you know, you can pick up the phone, give them a call if you need anything um, that's kind of pending, uh, you know, your your registration at, at the new firm. Um, also, another big reason is, is tax season. You know, whether you're a CPA or you're an EA or you have a tax practice or not, um, most advisors want to get a head start of uh, at a new broker dealer prior to tax season. It's no secret that making a move during tax season, while it's not impossible, um, it can be very, very tedious in terms of workflow. And if you do have a tax practice, uh, it definitely can become overwhelming. Um, so certainly, uh, you know, many advisors look to beat that point. 
At the end of the day, however, you're one of the biggest reasons, in my opinion, money talks. Uh, many broker dealers, a lot of the ones I've been affiliated with, tend to sweeten the pot you know, during the uh, fourth quarter, largely due to uh, corporate annual recruiting goals. It's not uncommon for an advisor to receive an additional bonus you know, as far as their transition assistance upfront is concerned. Uh, but there are also additional incentives as well, such as, you know, a broker dealer may cover um, your annual renewal fees and not just for the new year, but it could be for multiple years. Um, a broker dealer could for especially for the OSJs and enterprises you may uh, you know, provide you with a marketing allowance if you made the change prior to your end. And I've even made offers to advisors where the payout was an additional point or two. Uh, if they were to make the move by, by year end. So uh, those are some of the, the, the ones that just stick out, you know, to me, just from my experience. And I, and I do believe that fourth quarter is a great time or ideal time for an advisor to make that transition. And Sean, glad you didn't steal too much of David's thunder. But before we kick it over to David, you know, a couple other things to think about is a lot of times you have the federal federal licensing renewal fees um, that, that you got to renew by the end of the year for the next year, or many broker dealers charge E and O for you know the next year. Right. For our audience, can you can you kind of give an understanding of? Are those fees reimbursed or refunded if an advisor, let's say, renews them in November and then leaves in December? Does that exiting broker-dealer typically refund those fees, or is it kind of just a, a lost fee, so to speak? The existing broker-dealer will absolutely not <laughs> reimburse any costs associated with an advisor leaving their firm, uh, whether it's renewal fees. Uh, whether it's an E&O uh, you know, cost, you could have literally just paid the E&O uh, fee on a Thursday and you resign on a Friday and there's absolutely no reimbursement. That is when you know the negotiation with the new firm comes into play. And typically that fourth quarter deal, as I mentioned, will allow the new broker dealer to offset those costs. So if you if you have experienced some just some loss in, in terms of renewal fees and E&O, a lot of times the new broker dealer will pick that up for you. Yeah, and that's an important uh, subject there because a lot of advisors say, well, hey, I paid my E&O, can I just transfer my E&O to the new broker dealer? The answer is no. Right. Most, if not all, broker dealers are going to require you to carry their E&O insurance because let's just be honest, if you ever get a, a complaint filed, they're also naming the broker dealer, which right. you don't want right. too many you know, carriers butting heads of who should settle and who shouldn't. The other follow-up quick question for you is, and I think this is a big misconception amongst our audience, is, hey, Sean, I've already paid my FINRA renewal fees for 2021. Why would I have to pay them again? Can you clear that up of if you make a broker dealer change, that whether your FINRA renewal fees, even if you paid them with your current broker dealer, do you or do you not have to pay them again? You definitely will have to pay them again. And um, so once you make that broker dealer change, you know, as I mentioned, it's a fresh start. And it is a fresh start in all, all areas, in most areas, and that's including fees. So um, whether it's renewal fees, whether it's E&O, um, you're going to be you know, on the hook for those costs again. And, and typically there's a dual fee. So if you were to, uh, you know, pay, um, your renewal fees, and then you make the transition in the year, there will be another bill. So um, once again, that that's, you know, through negotiation, especially working with, you know, a team like ours, 
you know, we can certainly, you know, uh, have the new broker dealer offset those costs. Perfect. And David, now we're going to kick it off to you as it pertains to some of those advantages advantages that Sean touched on briefly of why an advisor should strongly consider making a move towards the end of the year and why that is in, in their best interest. But for our audience, if you can also address, because if I'm one of these advisors, I'm thinking, why is a broker dealer going to pay me more? Or why do I have more negotiating power at the end of the year versus the beginning of the year? I mean, why don't, why don't they just offer the same thing? So can you talk, touch on, David, some of the advantages of why an advisor, you know, it could benefit them to make a move towards year end and then why broker dealers do get more aggressive? You bet. You bet. Uh, thank you, guys. And Sean, you did a great job setting that up. It's talking about the advantages that go along with making a move and why. Why do we see so much movement at, at the end of the year? You did an incredible job on that side. And, you know, the one of the big advantages, and I call it kind of the springboard, is exactly what you talked about. Every firm and every corporate recruiter has goals. And that's where it comes from. Whether their sales are behind for the year, whether close to their goal, or their stretch goal, fourth quarter, everybody's evaluating, are we going to hit our goals? Are we going to make our goals? Can I hit my stretch goal? Can I set myself up for success for the next year? All those advantages, that's a huge advantage for any advisor that's looking to make a move. And I always say that's just, that's the springboard that gets you where you need to be to start evaluating whether you want to make that move. And the huge advantages that come into play is exactly what we talked about, working with a firm like ours, Trusted Visions, is pricing. They're going to be, uh, not only are they going to be a little bit more aggressive, they're going to be a little bit more, um, you know, push to make a deal by the end of the year or get some kind of a deal structured and get things moving in the right direction. So pricing can be huge. You have the availability to really negotiate your pricing on any products that you're bringing in, anything that you want a little bit of uh, help with when it comes to pricing and really getting, getting you where you need to be. It gives you a little bit more leverage especially in a situation like that, when you're looking at the fourth quarter and them making their, their individual goals. And then that goes right into your payouts. Same, same scenario comes into play. We're going to, we're going to help you as far as our team to really help you negotiate the best payout possible. And it's going to give the availability to, to, to really look at, okay, how do we balance pricing and payout to get you the, the, the best deal possible? Because in some cases, uh, you know, you can you have some wiggle room with pricing, but you can also really leverage the payout side of it to give you a, a much longer, more longevity deal that's going to pay you more in the long term versus just getting some fees waived the first you know three, six months or 12 months. So that, that's one of the huge advantages out there, really taking it, really taking uh, advantage of both of those options. And then, of course, fees. You, you talked about it, Sean and Jeremy, you talked about it, too. It's like when you're looking to make a move, you, you really got to outline the fees that you're currently paying, what you're going to pay, what those timelines are and what the fees are going to be going forward, because that's something that can also be uh, negotiated in the deal uh, to make sure that you're not you know, double dipping in those particular cases and paying those fees again. And then, of course, you know when you're when you're making a move, it's expensive. It's a, it's going to be a financial burden. It's not only going to be a client burden, getting all the paperwork and everything signed. Uh, so, getting a, a leveraging a TA package at this time of the year can be astronomical in some cases. I've seen some deals that um, working on the corporate recruiter side of it, it's like I've seen some deals I would never fathom 
that we would ever make in March or April or May or June. Uh, but you get down to uh, October, November, December, uh, the, po- the, the pocketbooks tend to get a little bit looser and it, you you get a huge advantage of taking advantage of that if you can. So it's it's one of those things. Talk to your recruiter. Make sure that you know you're working with somebody like Trusted Visions to help you outline all these advantages, so you can take advantage of well, throw that out there. Take advantage of all the advantages. How do you right. throw that right. out there for a Wednesday? So, and David, uh, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. And David, what advice? Because we talk to a lot of advisors, OSJs, and enterprises that come back and say, "Hey, this broker dealer's offered me." more if I move by year end. It feels like a used car salesman tactic. In reality, it isn't. But what advice would you give to to those advisors that that feel, I guess, somewhat offended that, hey, if I move December 20th versus January 2nd, they're going to offer me X? What, What advice would you give our audience? Well, it's just the business that we're in and and you can't take it like anything else. This is a very personal business. Anytime you're making a transition, it becomes extremely emotional, especially for everybody that's involved on, on that. So you do have to take it back a step and do realize this is business. Uh, as long as you're working with the right people, you're working with a good recruiter or in working with a firm like ours to make sure you're taken care of, making sure you read the fine print. Because in a lot of cases, sometimes those deals are too good to be true, where, you know, yeah, you're going to write me a big check now. Why wouldn't you write me a big check uh, six months ago when we were having this conversation? It is it is the world we work in. And and there's goals and everything that are going to elevate people to, you know, make sure they hit those goals by the end of the year. So there is some incentive that goes along with that. But in a lot of cases, even on the corporate recruiter side of it, it's like you can still negotiate a good deal, even if you don't come in at the end of the year, because they're they're going to be pretty excited to get some ink on the board come January. So uh, my advice to them is take a look at it, make sure the deal is not too good to be true, and don't take it personal on that side of it. Everybody's trying to get everything to work. And if you feel like it's a really good fit, it's going to be a really good fit, whether it's January, February, June, or December at the end of the at the end of the year. If you've done the homework and you've done the due diligence and you've worked with a partner that's going to basically protect your best interest, then you're going to be prepared in either way, whether it's December or whether it's in March in a lot of cases. So just making sure that you cover all your bases and you're working with the right people. And just to, to give you an example of that, I mean, I'm working with a large group right now that, that the broker dealer offered them a million dollars more in upfront money to move by year end versus January. I mean, it, when we talk about these numbers for our audience, these aren't minor numbers. I mean, right. they're, they're drastic numbers. The last question for you, David, is for, for our audience purposes, as we know, a lot of these transition loans are are based off of a five or seven year period and they're incrementally um, taxed over that period. So they're not taxed all of it up front. Advantage for our audience, let's say they do move in December and that transition money is not paid until January. In reality, they're not getting taxed on that until the following year versus that new year. Is that fair statement of an advantage and fair statement of, of how that would work? Absolutely. Correct. It's that, that's the nice part is when you're looking at these TA packages you got to look at the taxation side of it. And if you can spread that out for a longer period of time, get yourself settled, get the revenue going. And in most cases, if you're moving to a different broker dealer, there's going to be some huge advantages on growth of your your book of business. So being able to spread that tax, uh, that tax liability out for a longer period is always an advantage. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yep. 
And just for our audience purposes, as we talk about these broker dealers getting more aggressive toward your end, it's not always because they're behind goal. So, so don't let it raise an eyebrow of, hey, do I really want to look at this broker dealer because they're not having success recruiting? All of these executives and corporate recruiters, they want to get as much business closed because the more they close, the more they get bonused. So just keep that in mind as, as an audience. I'm going to touch briefly on a great point, Sean and David. I'm going to touch on... From an audience standpoint, they're probably asking, okay, that stuff's great. When should I start looking? And, and the reality of that is now is the ideal time to be able to, to, to look at making a move towards your end. Um, you've got plenty of runway there to, to plan, do your due diligence. I would strongly suggest working with a firm like Trusted Visions so that you can narrow down your search versus trying to have conversations with 20, 30 broker dealers because there's no way you're going to get through that by the end of the year. Um, but now you really still have that 90 to 100 day period where you can easily make a transition seamless. Now, some, some areas of, of caution would be, keep in mind, FINRA typically shuts down right before Christmas and then doesn't open back up until the end of the year. Don't wait until that, that final day or two before FINRA shuts down, because as David and, and Sean alluded to, there's a lot of movement and you don't want to get cut or caught in that queue with FINRA where they don't get you approved until after the new year. So I've always historically, and I don't know what your opinion, Sean and David are, I've always historically told advisors, if you're looking to make a move by year end, become effective with that new broker dealer at least a week prior to FINRA shutting down. Right. Um, it, it just, and a lot of times it's same day that you get approved, but you just don't want to take that chance of being completely dark for a week or two. Um, but, you know, the other advantage is, is if you start doing the due diligence now and really narrow it down, it gives teams like ours the ability to really push the envelope from a negotiating standpoint. And I'm not discounting advisors, OSJs, or enterprises going directly to these broker dealers and, and trying to negotiate, but we've all lived in the shoes of those corporate recruiters. So we know from a hard dollar standpoint to a soft dollar standpoint, what we can you know, really push them to do. And to your point, David and Sean, getting a fresh start at the new year, if you're a recruiting OSA or enterprise, what better start can you have than at the beginning of the year, you're starting fresh with a broker dealer, you're prospecting and marketing as we've talked about in past podcasts to really build up your pipeline with the, the new broker dealer and get off to a, a great success recruiting wise. So Sean, David, anything you want to add? No, at this point, I think it's great. Right, right. Sounds good. So audience, if you have any questions, if you want to start exploring your broker dealer options and, and look at what the difference is between year end versus new year, don't hesitate to reach out to Trusted Visions at info at trustedvisions.com. Comment on our LinkedIn page or, or follow us on our Facebook page. We greatly thank you. Team, have a great week and we look forward to next week.